Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Austin, Texas, live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we're going to discuss and we're going to break down what's happening in the great state of Florida. Uh, As goes Florida, so goes the rest of the country. Also, we're going to talk about the Fix Nicks bill. That's right. President Trump actually signed the omnibus bill into law. So now we have a new Fix Nicks bill. Going to talk about that and what's in that bill. We're going to break down what's happening in Florida, what's in that bill, because we need to educate you. Because as goes the rest of the country, as goes Florida, we'll go the rest of the country is how it's all going to play out. So let me go to Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. Edwin, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. Uh, thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, so how's your weekend going so far, Edwin? Oh, it's okay. All right, awesome. So uh, tell us, you know, let's start off with the fixed Nick's bill. You want to start with that one first? Well, um, sure. You know, basically it just, uh, you know, requires uh, more information to be turned over to the uh, – National Information Crime Database, uh, and it actually puts in penalties in place for agencies that don't turn over uh, enough information. Uh, and of course, this bill stems from the fact that um, you know the Air Force uh, didn't turn over the fact that uh, that the uh, uh, Sutherland Springs shooter was a was basically a prohibited person. And so, you know, each one of these. Each one of these mass shootings that occurs, uh, there's going to be some, you know, reexamination of the system, and uh, and an effort to try to, I guess, make it uh, more effective. You know, it's going to be kind of interesting whenever they run out of places to blame. Um, you know, and and of course the we all know the end results, and that is going to be uh, that they're going to, um, and in which we may have reached that point based upon what we saw yesterday all over the media. Uh, that, of course, no matter what sort of hurdles that you put in place for these folks, uh, the ultimate goal of the anti-gun lobby is to actually enact some sort of gun ban you know, prohibition. Oh, wow. Okay. And then uh, let's see. So with the fixed Nix bill, okay, is there some type of punishment for the different government agencies that say that – um, you know, if they don't turn over that information, they're going to face some type of punishment or anything like that. 
Well, there's the withholding of funds, okay. and I believe and that that's that can be that's all the, before Congress. And that's all there there is. So there's no punishment for them giving too much information or giving the wrong information. It's just, hey, as long as you give us something, then that's fine. Yes, there, there, there. There's no, you know, there's no, um, there's no responsibility attached to it. It's just give us as much information as possible. Now, of course. Yeah, we all know that if you are subject to some sort of erroneous information or some sort of information that causes you to be delayed, uh, of course, the burden is on you to fix that. And that's that's kind of the way that it's always been with uh, the mixed background system. You can appeal a denial, and then if you keep getting denied because your name sounds familiar to somebody who is in the NICS system as a probate person, uh, you, can, you ultimately have to apply for a, a UPIN. Okay, so a unique, a unique personal identification number. Okay, because what we find in, in a lot of times in the gun store is person comes to the gun store, they fill out the forty four seventy three, get the background check gun, and then what happens is their information uh, is actually you know it's it's wrong. Like it could be someone else's information, so they get a, a false you know a false hit, so they're denied or delayed, and sometimes people are actually denied uh, because they're confused. They confuse them with someone else, same name. Or something like that. So, you know, what do we do with that? Is there any type of fix? Uh, it, does the the government are they going to have so like a time frame in order to fix certain information? Or what do you see? Uh, I don't believe there is. But you know, like I said, the the burden. You know, it's kind of a it's kind of a backward system. And if you think about the fact that our sort of our tenets of due process say that you know somebody you know the government actually has to prep have proof that you did something and the burden shouldn't be on you well this with regard to the background system that is the opposite uh in the event the government says you are a prohibited person the burden's on you to ultimately show that you are not a prohibited person Hmm. okay now let's let's change gears just a little bit uh let's talk about the state of florida and uh what that bill you know is uh, because that bill that actually passed the, the florida legislature they actually uh went sent it to the governor the governor signed it and it's now become law and they did this in about two weeks and these are you know conservatives these are republicans that actually passed a gun control bill in the state of florida which i thought was wow it threw me for a loop uh because florida is one of those states where florida and georgia were actually competing with each other on who could you know have the best, you know, pro-gun laws. And so then they took a huge step backwards this year. Well, they the Florida, of course, the biggest part of their laws that they passed is the fact that they passed this risk protection, this risk protection protective order bill. Um, and it's a very extensive bill. I mean, it would it, it, it it's going to take some time to kind of sit down and digest and flesh out the limits of this. Um, you know, one of the good things I think about this bill is that it did apparently restrict the people who could be petitioners to get one of these risk assessment or risk protective orders uh, are the police. Mm. And, um, you know, and, and that I, I find to be a limiting factor uh, because as opposed to the, the law here in Texas, because, you know, as you know, here in Texas, we have our own process of going after people who are, you know, who 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 appear to have uh, to be mentally defective, um, and that is Health and Safety Code 573, and that can be based upon virtually anybody's accusation. But here, at least the police have to do some investigative work. They have to get some evidence, and then they're allowed to petition for this uh, for this this 
this protective order. And there are some limitations in it, um, but, you know, it is fairly extensive. A, a risk protective order, it does have to be proven by clear and convincing evidence, which is the highest evidentiary standard in the civil courts. Uh, it can only last for a year. It cannot go any further than a year. However, uh, and technically, if you read the statute, technically it says that somebody who is discharged from this risk protection order after a year uh, is eligible to apply to get their gun rights back. However, it's kind of, it seems to be a, kind of a catch-22, that if you're determined to be a risk, then that's going to put you on the federal ban list, which, of course, once you're on the federal ban list, then you can never get your gun rights back, and, and so it sort of seems to be a... Uh, you know, we're going to we're going to put you on this list um, and then you can ask to be off the list. But if we find that you're already on the list, which we already know you are because we have this order, then you can never get your guns back. And so that seems to be uh, the system that they've set in place. Uh, also, with regard to evidence, they listed about uh, 20 different things that a court can consider as evidence to show that you are a risk. And, you know, some of these are kind of ridiculous, like the fact that you uh, purchased firearms and ammunition within the last 12 uh, months. You know, you've uh, unlawful, the unlawful reckless use or display or brandishing of a firearm by a respondent. And, of course, that's completely in the eye of the beholder. Um, so there it, it, it does appear to, you know, it's, it, this is one of those things where I think we just have to wait and see how it's put out. But this is indicative of the fact that. Um, I think most states are going to be putting these into effect. Like I said, I think a lot of people don't know that Texas already has a very similar process uh, that's in place right now where somebody can be accused of being a danger to themselves or others. The police can go out there and say, yep, we're going to file a petition. And, of course, the, the, the risky thing about these is that you're putting the hands – you're putting this power into the hands of the judge. And – uh, as I've seen, you know, personally by doing, you know, by, by defending people who are subjected to protective orders and things, uh, the judge, uh, who is an elected official and who will come up for election every four years, never, ever, ever, ever wants to be on the other side of the camera with the reporter saying, why did you not issue this protective order whenever you could have? All right. So, Edwin, let's talk about some of the irreparable consequences of some of this legislation, especially with the state of Florida. So uh, you're saying a person who is 18 to 20 cannot purchase a gun, period, in Florida. Is that correct? Well, I didn't get to that part yet. Oh, I was no. just talking okay. about the I was just talking about the the, the, the mental health warrant. OK. But okay, yeah, okay. some of the other changes that some of the other changes that Florida put in is that they uh, they made that basically everywhere where there was a handgun restriction, they made it applicable to all firearms. And so whereas previously in Florida, you could not lawfully purchase a handgun from a licensed dealer unless you were 21. Now, you cannot purchase any firearm until you're 21. Uh, prior to this, uh, prior to the new law being passed, uh, there was a three-day waiting period for the purchase of handguns. Uh, now there's a three-day waiting period for all firearms. However, there are a couple of exceptions. Um, you don't have to go through the three-day waiting period if you are a handgun license holder in Florida. You don't have to go through the three-day period if you are you know, law enforcement. You don't have to wait to go through the three-day waiting period if you've taken a hunter safety course. So there are some ways around that. Uh, but basically what they did was they said, look, we already have these restrictions for handguns. Because keep in mind, historically, the gun control folks <laughs> – 
pardon me. No, you're fine. Historically, the gun control folks have always been focused on handguns because that's that that was always the big bugaboo is that both federally and state, in fact, you know, we can look to our own state, Texas, no restrictions on long guns ever, restrictions on handguns going back all the way to 1871. Correct. So the handgun has always been the big bugaboo. The right. handgun has been the boogeyman, the one that they've always regulated. Uh, but now in the wake of the extremely bad uh, publicity that uh, that the modular sporting rifle has gotten, um, it has now become the big, bad, scary gun uh, that needs to be regulated. And so what this, you know, what Florida has done, and which what I think is the actual dangerous part of the Florida bill, is they said we're no longer going to we're no longer going to uh, to say handguns and long guns are treated differently. We're going to treat all guns the same. And so if a lot of states start following that logic, then, you know, you might, you know, you're going to see uh, tougher restrictions put in place for the purchasing of long guns. And see, and, w- and what people don't understand is when you're looking at crimes that are committed with firearms, handguns, more crimes are committed by handguns than long guns. So by putting these restrictions on long guns, you're actually not doing anything when it comes to crime. And then when you look at you break this, some of this stuff down, you said, OK, well, let's look let's look at the crimes that people have actually committed. You know, who are these people that are committing these crimes? Well, these are people that would have passed a background check, some of them. OK. Um, and then you have other things where, you know, I mean, there's just so much and we're going to run into the break here. So we come back from the break. You know, we'll get into some of this a little bit because I'm going to bring it to the conversation. Uh, Julio Acosta um, Acosta. He is actually in North Texas. He's up in the Dallas area. And then also I'm going to bring in Dr. Maria Pio. I'm hoping I'm saying her name right. Uh, Dr. Maria, I'm just going to call you that, who is from uh, Florida, and she's running for U.S. Congress. So we're going to talk about that. We're talking with Edwin Walker with the Texas and U.S. Law Shield. We're talking about the state of Florida because as goes Florida, will go the rest of the country. We're talking about the Fix Nicks bill. We have a bill that our president has actually signed into law. We lasted eight years without getting any gun control measures out of President Obama. We've gotten gun control measures out of President Trump in less than a year. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Your next chance at the $12,000 tax break is tomorrow morning at 6.03 on Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right. So we're talking about the Florida, the state of Florida. As goes Florida, we'll go the rest of the country. We're also talking about the Fix Nicks bill that actually was signed into law by President Trump. And so we let me bring into the conversation Dr. Maria Pyro. Dr. Maria, am I saying your last name right from the great state of Florida? Hello, yes. It's Dr. Uh, Maria Payroll. Yes, Payroll. All right, Doctor. <laughs> How are you? All right, Dr. Maria. I'm going to call you Dr. Maria because I like that better. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so and you're running for Congress. Uh, tell people what district you're running for in the state of Flo- uh, Florida there and, and why are you running? 
Okay, I am running for uh, Florida's uh, 27th Congressional District. Uh, this is uh, the area of Miami-Dade County, Florida. And um, I'm running because I want to make sure that we preserve our freedoms in the United States of America. I'm very thankful for being allowed to come here. Uh, my dad was a political prisoner in Cuba, and I came when I was eight years old. And I know what it is to live under a communist regime, what it means to live without freedom. And our country has been the best. It's the best in the world, the leader of the free world. And I want to make sure that we keep it that way. And see, what people don't know is Dr. Maria uh, Pedro is a unique candidate. She is neither a career pol politician nor part of an elite political class. Rather, her career as an educator and experiences as a former small business owner led her to become engaged in activism and politics. So, uh, Dr. Um, Maria, uh, tell us what is happening in the state of Florida. The governor signed this gun control bill. Uh, we're talking the majority of Republicans sign on to this. What is happening? Because as goes Florida, we'll go the rest of the country. It's contagious. Yes, and I am very concerned because, uh, I mean, it ha the bill had some good things in it. For example, uh, arming school employees. It had um, funding for armed guards in the school. However, you know, like they always do, they create this large bill where they place uh, some great things in there things that people really want, and then they play something else, uh, like, for example, this, the gun control. And, uh, you know, darn if you do, darn if you don't. Uh, if you vote in favor of it, then, you know, uh, you're, you're voting for the gun control measures. And if you vote against it, then, of course, it's used against you because you're saying, oh, you're against uh, school safety. So, first of all, this shouldn't have been a bill where everything is placed together because, for me, school safety should be totally separate from anything dealing with, um, you know, with gun control. So, uh, this is the first issue with this bill. Um, the part about, uh, I, I saw, I heard, I kind of heard the gentleman, it's kind of hard for me to hear over the phone what he's saying, but I heard him talking about the part where now you have to be over the age of 21 to purchase firearms. Is that what he said? Yes, that's I, I can hear him. Correct. Yes. Okay. That part of the bill really concerns me because I feel that is a tremendous uh, blow to the Second Amendment rights of uh, anyone who's, you know, an adult. At the age of 18, you're basically an adult. You're able to get married. You're able to purchase a home. You're able to enter into a legal contract, adopt children. And yet they're taking away your constitutional right to be able to defend your home, to defend your family, to defend yourself. It's a big and one of I rights. found that to be a, a very serious, uh, uh, something that I, I definitely would not have supported, uh, you know, in this bill. And I was very much in shock. When, when I saw the governor sign that. Um, uh, I, I, I don't understand what this is going to do because if we look at most mass shootings, uh, most of the individuals have been over the age of like 24, 25 years old. Uh, a, a, a law like this would not have prevented them from, uh, from purchasing a firearm. Uh, and recently we saw in Maryland where a student uh, went into a school with a firearm. He was under the age of 21. And in Maryland, you know that they've had a law for a long time that you're not allowed to purchase a firearm until the age of 21. So, how, you know, this person was able to, uh, to 
get a hold of a gun anyway. And, and so what she's talking about, doing, and, and Dr. Marie is uh, talking about in Baltimore, uh, it's Austin White Rollins, who was 17 years old. He bought an, a used 9mm Glock handgun in, into the school. You know, he brought one into the school, a 9mm Glock. He was 17 years old, and that's what she's referring to. Right. So what's stopping anybody from uh, purchasing a gun? I mean, you could purchase it uh, through the black market. We have, we have guns coming over the border all the time. Uh, we have guns out there that are being sold in the black market. Anybody who wants to do harm is going to is going to find a way to do the harm. All right. So and then there's so many other and there's so many other ways that people uh, die in this country. Causes of death, abortion. You're talking 162,000 mm-hmm. just this year. We're talking heart disease, uh, 91,000 this year. We're talking cancer, 88,000 this year. Tobacco, 52,000 this year. Obesity, 45,000 this year. We need to blame forks. When it comes to that medical error, 37,000 this year, hospital infections, 14,000 this year, lower mm-hmm. respiratory disease, 21,000 this year, accidents, 20,000 this this year, stroke, 19,000 this year, alcohol, 13,000 this year, drunk drivers, 5,000 this year, diabetes, 11,000 this year, suicide, 6,000 this year, kidney failure, 6,000 this year, accidental poisoning, uh, 4,000 this year, drug abuse, 3,000 this year, prescription drugs, 2,000 this year, all homicides, 2,000 this year, murder by gun, 1,711, in Chicago, 62 this year. What's the highest homicide Mm -hmm. one? Texting while driving, 800, almost 900 this year. What's the highest homicide one or cause of homicide? Uh, Suicide, 6,000. That's not homicide. No. The one I, what I've always been aware of for homicide is that it's been typically hammers are the leading cause of. You mean like the actual tool? The tool used is hammers. Yeah. Blunt objects. A blunt object. You're absolutely correct. Well, let me and, let me hold on, Doctor Maria. Views, the boss, yes. Hold on, just Go one ahead. second. Let me bring it to the conversation, uh, Julio. Julio Acosta. Okay. He's an activist out of North Texas. Uh, so, Julio, uh, welcome to come and talk it, sir. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. All right, and I know you probably have a lot to say, so we're going to bring into this conversation and and tell us, you know, what are your thoughts about you know what we're discussing and the protests, you know, the everything that happened yesterday around the country. Right. So I do want to say that um, I'm a 100% supporter of safe and responsible gun ownership. And I did want to start by reading the Second Amendment, if I could. Please do. Okay, so it says, A well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. So my main um the main concern of many people or the main go-to is um the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed period but also in the second amendment it mentions a well-regulated militia so what i have been in support of for years now ever since i really started learning about the issue back in the year 2000 is i'm still baffled by how we don't have universal background checks that capture information including mental health and including all these different things, all these different agencies, federal, local, and state agencies. So I've been a big supporter of universal background checks ever since around the year 2000 when I learned that we didn't have universal background checks. Now, do you know who that's going to affect when you do pass something like universal background checks? That's going to affect uh, my my brown people. That's going to affect my black people the most. You know why? Because what happens when you get put into the system? 
And those are the people that are most likely to be put into the system are going to be your black and brown people. When you get put into the system, there's really no way to get out of that system. When the when the Knicks tells you, no, you're denied. Once you get hit with that felony, uh, you, you can't pass that background check universal. Then you're denied and you're denied forever unless you get it expunged or pardoned or anything like that. So what, what we're saying is if someone did something 30 or 40 years ago, 30 or 40 years ago, they paid their debt to society. You're saying that you cannot ever, ever be forgiven for that crime, even though That's you went to jail. I, that is universal I, background checks. What I say is that we need a system, a background check system that includes mental health background checks. Uh, we need a system that captures all these things. But do um, you understand what universal background checks means? First, let's start there. Universal background I, checks, because here's what happens when you walk into a gun store, you get a background check done. All right. And if. If there's something in that person's history where they've been uh, involuntarily admitted into a facility, then that's going to pop up on the background check. They're going to be denied. But a person can do a private sale from one person to another. There's no background check needed for that. And if you've been convicted of a felony after five years in Texas, off of, after you've off a paper, then you can actually do a private sale. You can actually get a, have a gun at home. You know, that's kind of tricky in there and how the laws work. But you can actually have a, a firearm at home for personal protection. But you still cannot walk into the gun store and pass the background check in order to get that firearm. So they'll have to get it as a private sale or as a gift. So let's say you, Julio, let's say you were 50 years old. And back when you were 19, you did something. And you are denied from ever purchasing a firearm when you're 19. You're now 50 years old. You paid your debt to society. That means that you will never, ever, ever, ever be able to own a firearm at home for personal protection. That's if you pass, actually, if you oh, pass universal background checks. That's actually not what I support. What I support is where people like you and me, we can sit down or our legislators could listen to us and we could develop a system where you and I are just like all of your um, your your concerns are valid, all of them. So I, I would love for you and me and people like us that are pragmatic and reasonable to sit down and figure out a way to have a system where we can take all of that into account. So you want a more comprehensive like background check and not a universal. Well, when I say universal, I mean, I would love it if every single time that one gun okay, okay. So ownership. Here's the thing, and then I, I think this is getting lost between you and Michael. Universal includes ever, all history, everything, and that's what he's talking about, that it could go back to when you're 19. But a comp more comprehensive would include, say, mental health or specific items. So those are two very different things. What I'm saying is that I believe that every single exchange of gun ownership, there should be a background check done there. So when I say universal, what I'm saying is every single exchange of a gun ownership, legal gun ownership, because obviously we wouldn't be able to deal with the illegal gun ownership. But for now, we're just focusing on the legal gun ownership. So every single exchange would have to go through background check. However, I do recognize all of your concerns and all of your concerns are valid. So I would love it if you, me, and people like us to develop or help develop a system that we could be um, happy with. Well, uh, what you you're, what you just said there um, is also another category when you're talking about every sale of a firearm. So it's tracked when I buy from a store. Um, 
but it's not tracked when I buy it from a third party or it's gifted. And is that what you're saying is you want now the tracking mechanism that I have to now, if I want to sell it to Michael, I have to go to a, a, uh, a licensed store, drop it off there and, and they do the exchange for me. We can definitely work on the system. However, I wouldn't want it. I'm going to do a, I'll do a scenario where I am a 19 year old, um, that wants to get some kind of weapon and I, um, someone gifts it to me and sadly i have i'll say i'll I'll say i have say mental health issues or i have certain issues um i now have this gun but i didn't go through any i didn't go through a background check to get it so now i can use that gun in say a school or something like that what i really really want is um for there to be anyone that owns a gun i want there to be safe and responsible gun ownership what would stop uh, you? What would stop you, Julio, from uh, jumping into your car and going down to a demonstration that's taking place today and driving through and running over all the demonstrators? What stops me from doing that? Yeah, I Cause, guess because you can get access. Am. You can get access to a vehicle, right? And that has happened. You're right. But again, my goal is if we're able to save at least one life. I think it's worth the effort without infringing on, like you said, the gun rights. I agree. And you know what we should do? We really need to stand in front of the abortion clinics because I'm looking at those numbers of 162,000 abortions that actually take place in this country, took place in this country this year. So if we, if we really cared about kids, we really cared about lives, the babies, I really think that we would do something about all these abortions. For now, I think for the conversation and the purpose of the conversation, maybe we can bracket that off and focus on guns but if you want to have a conversation on that um i'm actually not an expert on that to be honest okay that number is a lot higher that 162,000 versus what you're trying to you're worried about the 1,700 i understand you know every life is important i agree with you 100 you know but i i man i really wish we would work on that 162,000 that you know those deaths this year but go ahead guys and uh you know there's a black market for guns are you aware that guns are sold illegally from criminals yes. to other criminals? Yes, I am aware of that. And again, again, there are things that we're not able to do, but I believe that where we are able to take action, reasonable, um, reasonable, safe-minded, um, how do I, I'm trying to think, where we would, all your concerns would be addressed, like that kind of conversation. Because all of your concerns, I stand right there with you. I completely agree with you on that that we need to have the conversation that includes the um, black and brown people and et cetera. Like, I'm right there with you. So I would, be, I would be happy to be in that kind of conversation with you guys and with legislators that would work on some kind of system where all of us could be happy with that kind of background check system. All right. We're talking on, with both sides of the, uh, the argument here. We're talking with a, a, a candidate who's running for office, Dr. Maria, out of Florida. She's running for Congress. We're talking with Julio Acosta. He's actually in North Texas. We have uh, Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shill on the phone. As goes Florida, so goes the rest of the country. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill. You have made the right choice. 
Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. That's really what we need. We need uh, to, instead of walking out of class, instead of protesting and walking down and singing songs, we need to turn to the person to your left and to the person to your right and give them a big hug. Because when you look at all these shootings, you look at the shooting that happened in Florida, you look at the bombings that actually happened here in Austin, Texas. You know, <laughs> we're worried about bombs here. <laughs> I don't know where you guys are and, you know, have been in the last few weeks, but I'm worried about a bomb, you know, being delivered to my business. Well, we need to reach out and actually hold those people and hug them and let them know that they're, you know, that we care for them, that we you know, we're concerned about uh, the things that they're concerned about and just give them a hug, you know, because these people, the shooters, the majority of your shooters, it's all about not being loved, not being cared for. They're looking for that affection. So instead of walking out of class and ignoring that person that's sitting there that's having some type of issue, instead of going to the Capitol and voicing your opinion about something you cannot control, what you can control is the person that's sitting next to you in class, that person that's sitting next to you on the bus, and give them a hug and say, hey, how you doing? What's your name? What's going on in your life? I think you would be a lot more effective if you did that. And if we look back at the history, going all the way back to the big catalyst event that started all these school shootings, Columbine, who was the one kid who walked away? It was the one that didn't bully them, that they said, you need to go home. Something bad's going to happen today. They sent him home. Yeah. So, you know... And, 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 you know, and you know what? I'm going to reach out and I'm just going to hug that person to my right right now. Because Felicia, she needs a hug. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh-huh. She hates it so much. She just needs a hug. So, yeah, just reach out and hug someone. Let them know that you care about them. Give them a big old hug. I'm I not think- a threat. Please don't hug me. <laughs> <laughs> if you hug me, I may become a threat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, But seriously, though, I really think that's, you know, that's really what we need to focus our attention on, you know, just talking to someone and and talking to that person is looking like they're having some type of problems. Well, if we're going to value these kids' lives, too, look at the numbers for bullying and suicides. That's really the numbers for where we're having more deaths as teen suicides than anything else. It's compassion. And and that's what uh, you're trying to emphasize on. And and somehow we've we've lost a lot of that because we're no longer engaging face to face. We're, we're engaging through social media. We're engaging through to all through all those platforms where we're losing that ability to meet a stranger, reach out your hand, introduce yourself, and you become friends. And uh, um, and that's the it's been difficult for people to understand that. I, I saw it when I was living in D.C. or standing on the metro, and everybody's got their earbuds in and they're looking at their phone because all they want to do is listen to their music on their train ride to work and ignore the person next to them. I I tell you, I was looking back at history, and I was looking at um, today uh, stagecoach Mary Fields. Uh, She was a powerful black woman. You know what she did? She carried a rifle, uh, and she was such a strong woman that she said that in Montana, in a little city called Cascade, Montana, she would pay someone five bucks in a glass glass of whiskey if any guy, any cowboy, if she could just she would she would bet you she would knock him out with one punch. And she did until the day she died. She knocked him out. Everyone, every male with one punch. That's just how bad this female was. And she carried a gun and she loved her firearms and she, you know, she believed in protecting herself. And you, you just got to go back in history and look at some of these strong women that we've had in this country. 
You know, she was six feet tall, 200 pounds. Hey, hey, she was a bad lady. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me let me bring uh, Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Show back into the conversation. Uh, Edwin. Yeah, so, yeah, we, I just wanted to, well, I just wanted to, to, to add on to what you were saying is that, uh, you know, the, 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 the whole spectacle yesterday should be very concerning to us because it really did show that it's it's being driven by political forces and these political forces are solely focused on stripping away the second amendment because the thing about it is if you look they're always going to dress it up in these innocuous names um you know march for our lives and um you know that they they're taking a stand against school bias against violence in schools which is a hundred percent um supportable. We all want to stop violence in schools. And I think you're exactly right that this should have been a platform where they say, look, we're going to, you know, we're going to, our, our goal is to stop people from being killed in school. But it starts with, you know, pointing out that, you know, weak kids shouldn't have their lunch money stolen and weird kids shouldn't be bullied. And that, you know, that, that they need to focus more on that. And, of course, that is 100% within their control. You don't have to go to the legislature to get any more laws. There are already laws saying that, you know, that, uh, that people can't be murdered, especially they can't be murdered in school. They can't even bring guns to school. Um, and a lot of their signs, of course, were disingenuous, too, because they don't – you know, the, the truth really has no bearing on these people. But they should have been telling their peers not – we're going to force politicians to take honest, law-abiding citizens' guns away. They should have been saying, we're telling our peers to just simply be better people mm. and that perhaps some of these things mm. will not happen. Wow, you, you got a point. And we need to focus on technology. We, there are so many different tools that we have out there where we can actually you know, make the schools a little more safer without making it feel like it's a prison uh, because we, you can't carry a gun into a courthouse or anything like that. You know, there are things that you can do to secure that school. There's badges you can use to swipe in, swipe out, uh, where the doors will actually lock and in there secure. So there's so many different things that we can do. And and Dr. Maria, uh, who's running for Congress, you know, she touched on some of those things. Uh, Dr. Maria, I, I, you know, I think you're you you got something there. Yeah, I was trying to say uh, when I heard you talking about the issues that could be tackled uh, within the school system, uh, you know, I actually went to speak at the school board recently and I was explaining to them because, you know, they're all into this gun control and trying to change things that they really have no control over because they are a local school district. And I said, you need to start with your schools. Uh, the case in Parkland, all the students knew that this students had all these mental health issues they were laughing even when they were walking out of the school one girl turned over to him as he was walking out with them and said you know i'm surprised it wasn't you who shot up the school so obviously everybody there in there knew and nothing was really being done about it and i go back to also where i mean where are we going? When are we going to fault the school system mm. and all the other agencies up to the FBI that did absolutely nothing? Because I heard Julio talking mm. about background checks and all of this. Well, guess what? He wouldn't have been in there anyway. 
because he was not being corrected. Uh, no, he was never placed in a mental institution. Uh, they went to his home over 30 times, and he was never arrested. So there would have not, there would have not been anything in there preventing him from purchasing a, a gun anyway. So, you know, that, that's not always something that's foolproof. So he, he's, like you said, he, he's talking about, um, you know, uh, taking, you know, uh, making sure that certain people are not owning guns and they're, and they're law-abiding citizens. However, these individuals who should have been in there were not. And where, where do we place the blame when it comes to the school system, the people around him, the, the parent? The parents should have mm. placed this person in a mental institution. Right. So you, Obviously, you're, there were some think, serious issues. And you're on to something because, you know, we need to look to the parents, the guardian, you know, whoever's there, uh, you know, taking care of this kid. And also, you're right. What about the school, the administration? He was told they were told to not allow him on the campus with a backpack. What does that mean? If this kid can't come to school carrying a backpack, then he needs to be in the system. He needs to be in jail or something. Something's going on there. And then the police visiting his home over 30, 39 times. If the police come to my house two times, someone's going to jail. I promise you that. So I, I don't know what world oh, they yeah. live in because that doesn't happen. If, uh, you know, if that comes, if that happens in my, on my street there. But let's go back to Julio. Yeah, I'm here. Yes, sir. Sorry, we lost you for a second. All right. So, Julio. So, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, I love the idea of the badge in, badge out system and to use technology. And I do agree that um, this will not obviously fix everything. However, I do also like that idea of um, having, let's see here, where the, the, what we were talking about with the background checks is not the only suggestion. Like, I do fully support where we need people to have access to um, quality mental health care and quality health care because if we can have, you know, school psychologists and, and, and have the, we'll call, I don't know if I should call, um, children or young people that have certain difficulties have them talk to someone have them guide help have someone help guide them um maybe that will help and and you're right that's called a parent right a parent and parents should do that however when parents don't step up um sadly like we've seen in a number of different cases uh maybe a school psychologist could possibly so I'm going to have to stop um, you right there and go ahead and say that it is not the school's job to raise the children. It is not their job. It is the school's job to educate them. As someone mm-hmm. whose entire family is in education, and I don't like, I, I don't have the patience for children, so I went a different route. But everyone in my family is a teacher or was a teacher at some point. They have to, depending on what age group, they potty train your children. They teach your children how to do math and science and history and read you know, they they fix your kid's boo-boo when you fall down. They say, hey, you know, you don't raise your dress in public. It is not the school's job to also make sure that your children or children in general are getting the mental health checks and guidance that they need. That is the parents' fault. Well, and the happened? breakdown of this issue and everything going wrong right now is the breakdown of the family. Get off Facebook, get off your phone, and take care of your kids. And stop saying that these underpaid government employees are supposed to raise your children. That's not how it is. That's not how it's supposed to be done. And what happens when the family does? There is in denial. And, well, just to Then that's when also, law enforcement okay. gets involved. If the parents can't do their job and the cops are called over 30 times, then they put him in the system. 
period. Right. End of discussion. Mm-hmm. There's juvenile and detention centers for people who are under the age of being an, an adult. Stop blaming this on the schools. Get the technology oh, no. to protect them so that we can educate our children. We don't have people marching to take away our rights because that's how you get tyranny. We need to put well, science what? and history okay. back in the schools and teach them and stop having to babysit them for eight hours a day. No, agreed. But what mm-hmm. happens when the child reaches out for some help or something? Do we not have a system in place? for There us? are guidance counselors and counselors on site to do that, but it not should not be the school's sole job to do that. That's when they reach out to the children. That's when they start the process. So most, and by most, the way... And by the way, let me tell you, that comes, that stems from a certain policy that they have in Broward County where this occurred. And as a matter of fact, they have it in my county where I live, where the superintendents decided that they would not report fights in the school. They would not report children who were being, uh, that were being uh, seriously disruptive. They would not do this because they were trying to receive federal and state funding for um, ensuring that our incidences were kept down. And they were sweeping most of the issues under the rug. As a matter of fact, the incidences of Baker acting went down because they did not want to seem like there were so many issues within the school system so they could receive this funding. And this came directly from an executive order that was written by Obama, okay, with, along with, uh, with, with the help of the NWC, the NAACP, where they wanted to uh, make it seem as if there were no issues in the school system. They said that there were too many uh, uh, black uh, students who were being, um, who, 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 who were, you know, the ones that were being placed into the system. All right. So when we come back from the break, we're going to have we'll let Dr. Maria finish that conversation and let Julio chime in on that. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. All right, so we're talking about ah, Florida, talking about the fixed next bill. We're talking about what are some of the solutions? How can we solve this problem uh, with violence, period? You know, it's not just gun violence because if a person wants to do something bad, they're going to find a way to do it. So guns are really not the problem. You know, people are the problem. Evil people are the problem. Bad people are the problem. And so what do we do? And you're talking, you know, because if you disarm you know, what did Hitler do? The March for Lives yesterday was very concerning to me personally. One, because county conventions were going on, and if those people really wanted to make a difference, their butts would have been in a, a senatorial district convention getting involved in the political process mm. and actually working to have their voice heard rather than using a hashtag on social media and blocking traffic in Austin. <laughs> especially but, especially if you were in, in Travis County here in Austin because exactly. the Democratic Party had their convention as well as the Republican Party in the county. Sure did. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a lot easier to brainwash little kids when you're out, uh, you know, on a podium in public. Mm. Okay. And then you were saying something during the break also. What, that this is out of the Nazi handbook on how they're <laughs> approaching this? <laughs> the children up there with their armbands, with a raised hand up in the air, um, calling to take away our gun control just like Hitler used. And let me go back to Dr. Maria out of uh, Florida. Uh, Dr. Maria uh, Pyro. Uh, what were you saying before we went on break? Uh- Oh, uh, and, and let me just make a, a point uh, to what he just said. Uh, you know, I, it was really surreal to see uh, the girl, Emma, uh, 
uh, you know, wearing uh, the the, uh, the the green olive uh, jacket, mm. sort of like Cuban the military flag. in Cuba. This is a person whose parents came from Cuba uh, under a regime where nobody, they took away everybody's guns, and now they can't defend themselves mm. against their, their government. So I, it, it was really surreal to see her up there and fighting for, let's take guns away. Mm. I, that, that was surreal to me because uh, the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear all of this about gun control is uh, Cuba and what I and, and what I lived under. I mean, wish uh, they wish right now they wouldn't have given their guns to Castro because the first thing Castro <laughs> did when he came in was said, "Guns, what for?" That's exactly what he said in his speech. Guns, what for? You don't need guns. We'll take care of you. The government will take care of you. Mm. And look, they gave up their guns. And, and what do they do now? They throw rocks. They have nothing to defend themselves with, and the point of the whole point of the Second Amendment is that. So Julio, to make sure that, that you're you know you're fighting against a tyrannical government, should your government become tyrannical? All right. So Julio, uh, Marie, Dr. Maria is saying, hey, should we trust the government? Um, so definitely, I say this is just my personal opinion. Um, definitely, uh, when a population is unarmed, that does invite the government to overstep boundaries. So I do believe. And, and I go back to the same key, um, the safe and responsible gun ownership. I do also want to say that just to clarify, I didn't say that schools should be responsible for upbringing children. I, I do also believe that parents are the ones that are ultimately responsible. And, um, and basically, what was your other question? I apologize. Doc, uh, Dr. Maria? I think- oh, no, 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 no. I was just, uh, I was just uh, say, uh, giving my view about what I saw. Uh, this young girl who who's obviously from a uh, Cuban exile family uh, that she was, you know, fighting for, uh, you know, let's take guns away. And to me, that was surreal because I wouldn't oh, think okay. that someone with that background would actually, you know, even invite the government to come and take our guns. I mean, you're saying you're saying, uh, you know, it's OK. Let, let's just do this. Let's pass this gun law. However, where does it end? Because, see, when the na- next mass shooting comes along, and by the way, this is not going to be the last mass shooting. Oh, no, no. Okay? A- April is it, the anniversary. April is the anniversary of everything because come April 16th, April 20th, in that week, there's there's going to be a, a, another shooting, uh, several shootings, because that's the anniversary of a lot of your shootings. There's been over right, so- 1,400 shootings since 1806 that involves schools. That's 1806, 1,400. There's a clear difference of what happened, and that was the the uh, gun-free zones uh, uh, yes. legislation that was passed in the 90s. Then there was a spike, and mm-hmm. and and we could, I was I had a lot of trouble seeing people holding signs up was talking about um, increasing security for a little bit of freedom, mm. and 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 that took me back to President Eisenhower. Where it's it's funny how history always repeats itself when people forget it. Mm-hmm. And Eisenhower mm-hmm. said, "If you want total security, go to prison. Mm. There, you're fed, you're clothed, given medical care, and so on. And they still the, sneak in drugs and weapons. And the, young, they shank people. <laughs> the and only gotta... <laughs> the only thing lacking is freedom. Mm. So, how much freedom were we willing to give away for absolute security?" Because I believe there mm-hmm. was Obama administration that had a lot of uh, scandal when it came to giving up our securities um, of mm-hmm. online, and uh, they were monitoring us. NASA was monitoring American citizens. So now, once again, we're we're going to trust the government to make us secure and not take advantage of that. 
Yeah, and so in prison, you've completely given up your freedom. You've given up your freedom entirely, yet there are still murders committed in there. There are rapes. Mm -hmm. Drugs are rampant in jail. Entire criminal syndicates can Mm -hmm. operate inside of jail. Mm -hmm. How can that happen? And let me go back to Edwin Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. Edwin, what's your take on all this, sir? Well, um, I can't hear Julio at all, so I have no earthly idea what he has said through this entire program. Okay, sorry about that. So I I can't comment on anything he has said, Um, and I can barely hear the doctor. But going back to Florida, because I know that that's what you want to make this show about, I think that the one positive – we're looking for a silver lining out of Florida – is the fact that they did not pass – a quote-unquote assault weapons ban, uh, similar to what they have in New York, Colorado, uh, New mm-hmm. York, California, uh, Maryland, especially Maryland, a terrible, terrible law. Um, so they did not, so at least they held out against that. But, of course, that was what they were roundly criticized about. Um, you know, the Parkland students, you know, Florida's let us down, even though they passed this massive uh, gun reform bill uh they didn't ban of they didn't ban as quote-unquote assault weapons and that's the silver lining however the converse to that is that there is a bill currently pending in congress that has over a third of the congress has signed on to support it uh called hr 5087 and that is an extremely dangerous bill on many fronts it is an assault weapons ban and you know and i would be a lot more comfortable if the conversation about quote-unquote gun reform um just centers around you know background checks and uh and uh um uh, you know places that are restricted and mental health issues i'd feel a lot more comfortable if if that if we just were able to contain the conversation to those areas because this new assault weapons bill, House Resolution 5087, which I will tell your listeners, Democratic candidate for Senate, Beto O'Rourke, is signed on as a co-sponsor. Uh, yeah, Robert, is uh, it's, it's a terrible bill. I mean, basically what it would do is it would outlaw pretty much every single semi-automatic rifle, uh, and it would outlaw about half of the semi-automatic pistols out there. And so mm-hmm. I think we really need to focus in on that and forget, you know, try to try to prevent this bill from ever even seeing the light of day. And I think that that's what yesterday's uh, parade was about, was about basically trying to get this law or a law extremely similar to it passed. Now, let me ask you, um, let me ask you this. Dangerous. All right. So with Florida, all right, I want to make sure I understand this correctly. Uh, there is a waiting period now. Uh, is it three days? Mm-hmm. No, they well, they've always had a waiting period for handguns. Okay, they but, have now expanded it to rifles. Okay, so now and it's so all guns in order to purchase a firearm is a three day waiting period for all firearms. Mm-hmm. Now, what about private sales? They do anything with that? Uh, they did not. It appears that the waiting no. period only applies to licensed dealers, which is good. And the thing about it is, is that whenever people talk about universal background checks, which I really detest that phrase, uh, so I try not to use it. But uh, this whole idea about universal background checks, you know, Mike, you and I know, and folks who are actually have knowledge of the gun laws know that almost every single sale is subject to a background check. The only sale, the only type of transfer of firearms that is not subject to a background check are private transfers in a non-commercial setting between two individuals who reside in the same state. 
And the reason mm-hmm. that those are not subject to, it's not the Second Amendment that prevents these from being regulated. It is the Commerce Clause that prevents these from being regulated. Mm. Because the Commerce, says, Commerce Clause says that the federal government, the U.S. Congress, only has the power to regulate things that are in or affecting interstate commerce. So a non-commercial mm-hmm. private transfer is outside the area that Congress can regulate. So that's the only type of transfer that is unregulated, uh, which apparently these folks, uh, the folks that advocate universal background checks, which like I said I hate that word, uh, either don't know that that's the law or they want the Congress to expand their power under the Commerce Clause even further mm-hmm. to basically reach every single aspect of our life. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually mm-hmm. one thing that this that's actually one thing that this uh House Resolution five oh eight seven also includes is that not only are they saying that all of these guns, uh all these ha- uh, rifles, half of these handguns are now semi automatic assault weapons, um they do say that they that ones that are currently in your hands right now are grandfathered, uh because at least they have the common sense or the dignity to not approach the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment uh, by actually going out and knocking down people's doors to seize them. However, they make it extremely difficult and and very uh, almost impossible to transfer uh, these grandfathered uh, assault weapons. Uh, And one of the things that they do put in here is that basically if the federal government has deemed your firearm a grandfathered assault weapon, then you cannot transfer it even as a gift or a loan to anyone without it going through a licensed dealer. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and bad guys can do a lot of different things. I know we've gone back and forth talking about bad guys and someone wanted to do something bad. Right now, we're looking at the city of Atlanta. Do you guys know that the city of Atlanta is being held hostage right now by someone that's saying that, hey, we're not going to release any of your computer systems. Uh, all of your, you know, they've, they've been held hostage by ransomware right now. And everything's locked down, all their systems, and they're saying, hey, we're going to release it to you if you give us $51,000 in Bitcoin. Wow. <laughs> I figured you'd like that. <laughs> $51,000 worth of Bitcoin. And they're being held Let's hostage bang. right now. So what's that worth in real life? Let's bang computers then. <laughs> well, it's fifty one grand, but they want it you know, converted over to Bitcoin. Oh, so they don't want 51000 Bitcoin. They want $51,000. Dollars. Right. Wow. Transferred and according, it, to, and according to you, Mike, isn't that like one Bitcoin? No, it's it's like at eight. What is it? Eight? It's eight thousand dollars per about eighty five hundred. Eighty five hundred dollars per Bitcoin right now. Yeah. So, so yeah, now, okay. So they want they want seven Bitcoins, just about. So now, now, Edwin, let me let, let me ask you a couple more things about the Florida bill that passed. Okay, so we have the waiting period for all firearms. It doesn't include private sales, but it is you know going through a dealer. Um, and then mm-hmm. it raises the age from 18 to 21 for long guns. So all firearms now in the state of Florida, you have to be 21 in order to purchase them. So that, that means that if I'm 18, 19, 20 years old, I'm a new family, I'm, I'm a single mother, uh, that means I cannot mm-hmm. purchase a gun at all. I have to do it as a private sale. Well, yeah, and, and the thing about it is is that you know I love and I fully support the argument that 18, 19, and 20-year-olds should be able to lawfully buy firearms. However, the lawyer in me and the historian in me says that that ship sailed way back in 1968 when they passed <laughs> the first Gun Control Act. Right. Uh, because that was the point where somebody should have said and stood up and said, why on earth aren't 18, 19, and 20-year-olds allowed to buy handguns? Mm. Because once you've already got this agreement that it applies to handguns, uh, applying mm-hmm. it to all guns is not that big of a leap. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, they should have never allowed it. And um, and then go ahead, uh, Julio, let me bring you back in because we haven't heard anything from you in a little bit. What are your thoughts on all this? Well, um, one thing I do want to say is what I gathered from the different um, people that were out yesterday is I think generally just people want to feel safer. And I think we can have a conversation, and I'd love to hear us have a conversation. I loved your idea of badge in, badge out. I know that's going to be pricey, but I, I feel like that's actually a good idea, technology. Like, how, what are some ideas from everyone that's on this show about how we can possibly make schools safer? Because I think at the end of the day, I think that's what the um, people yesterday were trying to get across. I do have one question about badge in, badge mm-hmm. out. Is what if a kid forgets their badge at home? Then you have to go to the office and get a temporary badge. Just like you do at Sitcom anywhere else. Yeah, you go to the office and get a temporary badge. So how much is that going to cost? There's actually software as well that I utilize to protect corporate clients that what it does is is it 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 monitors social media keywords. So I'll take their employee list and I'll integrate it into our system. And and it'll it'll uh, it'll monitor every social. It works really well with Twitter, but it'll monitor every social media system now, because most of them are all uh, co-owned by each other. And if they put any keywords that's associated with their building or their CEO or the executive staff that can be uh, so, uh, perceived as a threat, mm. then we go with HR, knock on their desk, and say. We need to see you right now. Mm. And so the school system could do that as well because there's many companies like mine that you could go out there and get that that service. I'd really love well-trained, competent teachers to be armed. That'd make me feel real safe sending my kids to public school. Get rid of gun-free zones and allow teachers who are willing and trained and competent to carry. That's how you stop a mass shooter. How about a well-regulated yeah. militia to stand there? People who will volunteer. We have plenty of veterans. We have plenty of volunteers. We have plenty of volunteers who well, would be happy to give uh, a day or so of their time. Dr. Marie. And I would say I would say we uh, we should uh, have armed uh, veterans, uh, you know, uh, take uh, watch our schools. Why not armed veterans? We have a lot of veterans that need, that need jobs. And they're well-trained. As long as they go through the whole process they need to go through, I, I think that's that, that's a great idea to have armed veterans in our schools. Julia? And, I, and I, what I didn't like about the Florida bill was that they didn't make uh, the armed school staff mandatory. They're leaving it up to the school board superintendents. And uh, our superintendent already said he's not going to allow that. And most of our superintendents uh, in the south part of Florida are not going to allow that because they're totally against, they're, they're totally for complete gun control. So that's not going to do any good. I would have liked the, uh, for the state legislature to have made that mandatory, you know, where does, they have to, they have to accept it. And, uh, of course, it's always voluntary for the, for the teacher, whether they want right. to be armed or not. Um, uh, and then also ending gun-free zones, definitely. Right, and we could do that so, for Congress. Yeah, so regarding arming teachers, from what, what I've heard from teach, from people that train teachers and from teachers themselves is, like um, like your, the person in your show mentioned, they're already underpaid, overworked, and then increasing um, this pressure. And then sadly, I feel like I don't, I personally, um, I think teachers 
if they're in that situation, I feel like obviously, yes, you would want someone that's well trained. But I do believe that, you know, people that are in combat and police officers, like when they go through that kind of training, I think it's almost like um, one high intensity two high marksmanship, because say you're shooting and and then sadly, one of your bullets doesn't hit who you who you meant to be. So but all these are conversations that I'm happy to have. And that I'm honestly thankful that we're having because I think at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want to start thinking about what we could possibly do realistically to help make um, schools and communities, uh, but first, right now, particularly schools, mm -hmm. safer. Julio, but you do understand that the bill doesn't mandate teachers to carry. This is up right. to the teacher, completely up to the right. teacher. I, I would like to be able to uh, carry. Why not? If somebody comes, I've been in lockdowns where I'm sitting in a room with my students and they're asking me, what are we going to do if there's a shooter out there and they try to come in here and they try to, I, I can't do anything. I'm like a sitting duck there with my students. Why wouldn't I, if I want to, And I mean, it's a volunteer. It's on a voluntary basis. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want to be armed and at least have a shot at being able to defend myself and my students? Nobody's right. making and me do it. It's not going to be mandatory. That's not what they're saying. Right, This is just right. talking and, points and then, from the liberals. Right. That has nothing to well, do with that. I think yeah, you're kind of missing my point here. Is teachers spend at least eight hour eight hours a day with these kids? They truly love them and care about them. And if you talk to a teacher, they would die to protect their students and to give capable individuals who have the training and experience with a firearm mm -hmm. to keep one on their person when at schools would make schools less of a target. Mm -hmm. They're already doing it here in Texas. There's already I districts around the state that are doing it. And that's fantastic. And I can promise you that those schools are not going to be as high of a target because potential shooters mm -hmm. know that there are people there who will stop them dead in their tracks if needed. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, I'll just I'll just repeat that from the teachers that I talked to and the people that train teachers. That's what I've heard and that's what I'm relaying. But I'll definitely keep um, asking for more teachers. I'm a teacher. Because, <laughs> right. No. And, and I'm a teacher, Julio, and I'm telling you my point of view. I'm a teacher, and I'm telling you my point of view. Thank you so much. And everyone in my family is a teacher, and every single one of yeah. them wants to carry. There's at least one teacher listening right now, and I guarantee you he wants to carry. He's running for office here in Austin. You're talking to the wrong teachers. And again, I'm not saying that I speak for all teachers, and I, I am saying that this is a conversation that we can and should be having. We're having it right now. I'm, sadly, yep. I'm not public policy, and I'm not a legislator. Do you know? Do you know that uh, uh, there are staff members that actually take a firearm with them to school because they're not going to leave it at home. If you have a permit to actually carry a firearm, you know you're leaving home in the morning, and you know you're going to a gun-free zone. However, you're carrying that firearm with you because you're not going to go home after work, pick up your firearm so you can go about your business in your community. They actually take it with them, and you know what? Most of them have to do. They have to leave it in their cars. Well, because you know, they cannot carry it on campus. That's the same argument uh, we've we've had here in Texas many times as well, um, nationwide. Uh, the campus carry, mm -hmm. and and I could never get the other side to understand. Do you not know that I have two guns in my glove compartment right now, fifty mm -hmm. feet away in student parking? Me not wanting to commit a crime of atrocity, utilizing a firearm. 
isn't protrude it isn't deterred by 50 feet mm-hmm. it's deterred because i'm a decent human being that doesn't want to take life i want to preserve and protect life so me exactly. having my gun on my person is the same thing i, I it it's, makes no difference with 50 feet or on my body and so we need to allow individuals who want to carry a firearm in the protect do in the service of protecting themselves and others to do that the issue at hand here is not gun owners. If the issue at hand were gun owners, we'd have a shooting every single day because there's right millions of guns all over the country. The issue at yep. hand is people aren't enforcing the rules that we already have voted to have. That's it. You're talking about adding all of this legislation, adding all these laws. We already have them. Read them and then get back to us. What I'm talking about is safe and responsible gun ownership. That's that's really, if there's anything that we want to take away from my message during the last hour is... And I no one here is support. preaching against safe and responsible gun ownership. Everyone here supports okay. safe and responsible gun ownership. Then that is yeah, a great all... place to start. Yeah, that is a great place for all of us to start and move forward from there. I think what, have, what would have happened uh, if someone would have grabbed that little kid in Florida, uh, an 18, 19-year-old, and just gave him a hug, and let him know that everything's okay. Uh, if, I, if he had a father figure in his life, uh, if he mm-hmm. had a mother, a guardian that actually cared about him, set him down and, and just sat down on the sofa and, and, and just talk with him. A friend uh, to listen to his problems. A problem. friend to a listen to him. A law enforcement department that did its job. Then I think the situation would have been different because he could have done anything. He was dead set on Valentine's Day. He was dead set on going into that school on Valentine's Day to do something, whether it was to use a car, whether it was to bring a bomb, whether it was to use a gun, he was dead set on hurting someone. He didn't care what tool he was going to use. He was going to use it. Let me go back to uh, Edwin. Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. Let me give you about a minute to, you know, to close things out a little bit. Well, um, what can I say in a minute? Um, <laughs> we need- we, we really, you know, yesterday, yesterday's uh, demonstrations, um, I think we really need to pay attention to because obviously the media has now adopted these uh, protesters as uh, quote unquote heroes. And obviously anybody who says anything against them is immediately demonized. I think we've seen that, you know, in some occasions on social media about different commentators that were attacked by saying anything negative or derogatory about them. And unfortunately, uh, I think these are going to be the tools that are going to be used to try to undo our rights. And like I said, uh, I really, really want people out there to pay attention to this House resolution because – this is one of the scariest pieces of legislation I've seen over a really, really long time. And unfortunately, I believe this is clearly and obviously their ultimate objective is to have either this law or a law like this passed. Um, and it, it, you know, at that point, it's, it's, it's irreparable. I mean, even the assault weapons ban in 1994 had a sunset in it. This has no sunset. This, is, this will stay until it's either repealed or it's ruled unconstitutional, which – Unfortunately, the Supreme Court has shown an extreme reluctance 
in uh, in reviewing any of these uh, Second Amendment cases. Absolutely. Uh, and liberty d- will die with thunderous applause. And uh, you know what? I want to thank you, um, Edwin Walker with Texas U.S. Law Shield, for coming on and talking to us. I want to thank uh, Dr. Maria um, Pedro uh, from Florida, who's running for Congress, coming on and talk to us. And I also want to thank uh, uh, Julio Acosta uh, from talking to us from North Texas. Really appreciate you giving us your insight on on what you think about, you know, what happened yesterday and what's going on in Florida, what's going on in D.C. with the Fixed Nicks bill and all that stuff. Thank you, guys. And and definitely enjoy the rest of your weekend. You know, I just wish I had someone to sit beside me and hug me tight, someone to tell me everything's okay. Uh, Sometimes we just need someone to simply be there, not to fix anything or to do anything in particular, but just to let us feel that we are cared for and supported, as always. More guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.